This Spotlight podcast is sponsored by Certified Security Solutions. CSS is the leading provider of PKI software and services that securely connect people, applications, and devices to business ecosystems. Check them out at css-security.com. Hello, and welcome to the Security Ledger podcast. I'm Paul Roberts, the editor-in-chief at the Security Ledger. In this spotlight edition of the podcast, the information technology field embraced public key infrastructure, or PKI, more than three decades ago as a way to manage identity and secure sensitive software updates and transactions. In the world of operational technology, or OT, however, the migration to PKI and the use of strong, immutable digital identities has been much more spotty and in some ways is still a work in progress. We see that borne out in the news almost daily as independent security researchers uncover evidence of sensitive and even safety-critical systems that transmit data in the clear or that lack basic mechanisms for securely managing and updating their own software. Sadly, that's become the norm on the burgeoning Internet of Things where lack security is more the rule than the exception. How is it that our most sensitive systems and environments are so woke behind? Find out more. We invited Judah Aspler into the Security Ledger studio. Judah is the vice president of IoT strategy at CSS Security, which works as a PKI enabler for companies of all stripes. He says that operational technology and IoT are lagging behind traditional information technology in a number of areas, from the use of software signing and secure updates for devices to lifecycle management. That's going to change in the years ahead, Judah predicts, as a range of factors put pressure on manufacturers and infrastructure owners to up their security game. In this podcast, Judah and I talk about the need for what he terms crypto agility, the ability of vendors to both manage and update secure digital identities going forward as a way to respond to advances in technology, for example, the advent of quantum computing, as well as changes in the risk and threat environments. To start out, I asked Judah to tell us a little bit about CSS and how the company works with its customers. Judah Aspler, Vice President of IoT Strategy. CSS has been in the business of security and secure identity for some 18, 19 years now. We help large enterprise and large organizations, government uh, as well, ensure that security is upheld by way of having a solid identity foundation identity and primarily in the form of encryption keys and certificates and managing and deploying and integrating those keys and certificates into the critical workloads are the bread and butter of CSS. That is what we have uh, done for these Fortune 500 uh, companies as well as many others to ensure that the foundation of identity is a strong and solid one so that going forward all their applications all their workloads that need to leverage identity, that need to leverage keys for encryption, that need to leverage keys, certificates for signing of secure code can all be done seamlessly, efficiently, and most importantly, securely. And just to clarify, are you guys a certificate authority? In other words, are you in the business of running a CA and being an issuer of of digital identities? That's a great question. The answer to that is no. We provide our customers with the flexibility and the choice of certificate authorities and we'll work with multiple certificate authorities. We will work with public certificate authorities who sell individual certificates to these customers. 
will work with the certificate authority, the private certificate authority that they set up on-premise or in the cloud for themselves, or alternatively, we will set up a certificate authority for them, a private certificate authority, Mm -hmm. and manage it for them, but we are not a public CA and we do not sell certificates. We bring together all the certificates that come from various CAs, both public and private, and bring them into one interface, into one management and operational console. You were a speaker, featured speaker at our most recent Security Things event here in Boston in June, and you gave a really great talk focusing on some of the challenges that organizations have creating trust or establishing trust, particularly as we start to look ahead to the Internet of Things. It's a really interesting presentation. You have sort of five tenets for for establishing a secure IoT ecosystem. Talk to us about what those five tenets are and where companies can start. That's a great point. The state or the nature of the devices that are present in an IT infrastructure with user interfaces, updatable, easily recalled into the office if hands-on configuration or modification is needed. Very, very different than the IoT device landscape where devices are, are headless, deployed for much longer periods of time in many cases, how they function, how they're interfaced with, how updated and the like is very different than in the IT infrastructure world. And if not planned for properly, it uh, becomes much more difficult. It's very easy to send an email out to whatever number of employees and say, make sure you connect your laptop to the network or bring it in at some point in the next 30 days. We've got something we need to patch or update or we're going to send you an update. Please click this link, accept it. That's fairly easy. And when compared to trying to bring in X number of pacemakers or infusion pumps or autonomous vehicles that are being driven or connected vehicles don't have to even be autonomous. Today's electronic vehicles and infotainment systems are all already connected. Even if there's a driver on this, with the hands on the steering wheel, being able to recall those is just simply not an option. When updates need to be made and when there are security gaps or vulnerabilities found and they need to be addressed, being able to deal with them once they're on the road driving down the highway once they're in use at a patient's home, very different than trying to recall those laptops. So at CSS, you refer to those five guiding tenets of IoT security that we promote. And those are based on our experience in working with device manufacturers and operators alike in terms of what needs to be taken into consideration upfront. And to answer your other question of what are the pitfalls, what are the shortcomings, what are the problems Mm -hmm. that we're seeing our customers face, it comes down to when they don't take those into consideration upfront, when they consider security and when they consider digital identity as an afterthought or as let's just put this in, we'll deal with it later. Or perhaps they deal with it upfront, but they don't deal with it to the level, to the extent that it needs to be. Just to give you an example, they've got everything set for the device, but they didn't factor in what happens three years later when that whatever device it is, is sold, is transferred to another client or a new operator comes in and needs to access it. Deprovisioning, right? Absolutely. Deprovisioning or or adding additional identity and changing the access rights and changing the trust chain that the device has configured. If they don't take that into consideration, then everything will be fine for that first year or two, perhaps, but then they're going to hit a cliff and they won't have much to do if not taken up consideration up front. So the, Mm -hmm. the five guiding tenets of IoT security that we focus in on at CSS are that every device must have unique credentials. That's a given. That's table stakes. Without that, you're not in the game. If you're still using passwords or shared keys on the devices, I don't think you'll make it to even that year mark of having smooth and secure operations. So no no admin admin, I'm guessing. And guess what? Not even admin password. Uh, none, none of those. <laughs> none, none of those, none <laughs> oh, of those no. will work. And interestingly enough, we both know you, you still see a lot of that out in the field. And 
But what's even scarier are folks that will put a key on and think that they've solved that admin admin or admin password by putting a key on the device private key. The problem is they've put that key on every device, the same key, shared. And shared keys provide you a little bit of additional security than the, the username passwords, but shared keys essentially equal shared risk. So that doesn't really get you too far. So unique credentials being the first and foremost, that's the number one. And we're seeing most device manufacturers at this point recognizing that and, and going in that direction. And whereas maybe a year or two ago, we still have to convince them of that. It seems to have worked well. That seems to be common at this point. Roots of trust, establishing a organizational root of trust is another tenant in terms of not trusting those who don't need to be trusted. The fact that my device, perhaps with an Android OS, trusts a whole slew of certificate authorities, because that's what the Chrome browser trusts, and that's what the Android phone trusts, doesn't mean that my medical device or my brake unit in the car needs to trust all those folks. Limit it to your own, establish your own chain of trust, your own root of trust, and subsequent chain and control access based on that. Quickly going through some of the other tenants, digital signing of firmware and software, code signing essentially. Critical, absolutely critical. When devices, in the past, it was a thought that you put your device out and you lock it and that's it and you're done. You don't update it. The FDA, for an example, has come around in the last year and now recommend that your device must be updatable. We all know that there's no such thing as secure code, secure software vulnerabilities will be found. There will be a need to update your device at some point. And the only way to properly send new code to the device securely is if that code is signed and then digitally verified at the device. And again, the only way to do that is with a proper code signing infrastructure in place. And it's not just establishing a key and signing that needs to be properly managed. Those keys need to be properly managed and the process and workflow to using and accessing and using those keys must be properly handled. And that's a critical component as well. I'm always surprised that that's still often left undone, even by devices that are running in critical, mission-critical environments. And also, I've seen sometimes what you hear them say if you ask them about signed firmware is, well, the, the firmware is encrypted firmware. And what they mean is that they're using HTTPS or whatever to transfer the firmware to the device. So it's encrypted in transit, but but there's no signing of the actual firmware file, which of course doesn't solve the malicious firmware or just bad right. firmware a problem. Absolutely. These phenomenons are, if we think back in the IT infrastructure world, those same phenomenons we saw, I don't know how many years ago, 10, 15 years ago, by now everyone in the IT world recognizes when you're sending out software, you sign your code. The OT world, the world of IoT devices, is it, the connectivity of the internet is new to them. That open connectivity is new. So some of these areas, as you mentioned, are, are certainly lagging behind in terms of recognition and implementation. If we continue along in, in those tenants, maybe the one that's perhaps most interesting from an audience perspective, the notion of continuous updates, lifecycle management for the identity. And what that means is being able to have a crypto agile solution in place. Digital identity in the same way that software will need to be updated, digital identities will need to be updated in the future. And there are multiple reasons as to why that is. It's not just a matter of sending out a device with a digital identity, with a certificate and key, and when that device is finished and done, we're going to scrap it and revoke it and terminate it. There's a lot more that will happen during that life cycle of that particular device, whether that be reassignment of the device, touched on real, earlier real briefly, devices being transferred to new owners or new operators coming into play or new partner networks that need to be accessed by that device that weren't in play on day one, being able to modify 
the cryptography, the keys, the identity, the routes of trust on the devices, as well as on the back-end platforms, the routers, the gateways, the IoT application platforms, all of them. The entire ecosystem needs to keep up with a regularly changing chain of trust is very critical. And then perhaps the, the two most, if you ask me in discussions with our clients, what opens eyes there in terms of grabbing attention, I would say it's incident response, as well as even thinking forward to post-quantum computing and quantum-resistant algorithms, quantum-resistant cryptography. So yeah. incident response, what happens when right. one device is hacked? What happens if a root of trust is compromised somehow? How do you deal with it? Being able to swap out keys, swap out certificates is the critical critical tenant in the IoT security and ensuring that foundation is there and the vehicle in order to securely update the cryptography, the certificates, the keys, and being ready for post-quantum. Depending on who you ask, it might be seven to nine, it might be four to seven years around the corner, but guess what? Many of the devices that are being rolled out today will still be alive and kicking when that happens, when that becomes a reality, and there are folks that could easily crack today's cryptography and render it open text at that point. If history is any guide, there often isn't that much warning between when crypto is deemed sufficient and when it is suddenly insufficient. No, precisely. We at CSSA, we recommend the the need to be ready for that and have a plan in place. And we've also run pilots whereby in the millions and let's say hundreds of millions of devices are deployed and simulated breach of root, whether it be perhaps the algorithm was compromised, was deprecated algorithm, and we need to go to crypto, we need to go to post-quantum crypto. How, with a plan in place, can we click those few buttons and put post-quantum resistant certificates and keys in place? So those are elements that we certainly recommend, part of our tenants that we that we recommend to our customers and, and naturally part of the IoT security platform that we propose to them as well, naturally take that into consideration as well in order to handle ongoing from the manufacturing, from the design phase, through the manufacturing, through the deployment, into the operations, into the updating, regular routine updates during the operations, as well as into the incident response and into the post-quantum crypto world. So these are all elements that we provide with our IoT security solution. It strikes me that we've had kind of a real-life fire drill with that, particularly with the crypto agility issue with all of the conflict in the last couple of years between Google and, at the time, Symantec's certificate authority and the issues that were raised around the validity of some of those certificates that have been issued. That got a lot of people, it seems, thinking about the need to not be wedded to any one platform and also to be ready to be agile and ready to change if need be. Absolutely. Those are a couple of good examples. The shift from SHA-1 to SHA-2 with another. Some were ready for it, some were not ready for it, as well as any sort of other compromise. Interestingly enough, what we're seeing is it used to be whereby if my device had a lifespan of 15 years, and folks would put certificates with expiration dates of 25 years, just to be sure that nothing would expire and pull the device down. Recognizing, perhaps not recognizing, but now they're recognizing that that is not recommended, that is not best practice. There are reasons for renewal of certificates. So in the one to three year range is more recommended so that there is tighter control and the ability to ensure that keys and certificates, chain of trust, roots of trust are all optimal, are all secure uh, and nothing is running out there in the wild with keys and certificates that can be used so that the device ultimately is doing something it should not be doing. So crypto agility even applies in that realm. How is it that a device can go from a 25-year certificate to a two-year certificate? Only if there's the ability to renew or assign a new certificate and key 
after that two-year period. One of the great points that you make in this presentation, you sort of walk through the kind of the various stages of device creation from inception and design through manufacturing, deployment, you know, the device deployed in an operating environment. Obviously, it's easier to address these problems during the initial inception and design phase, but often that doesn't happen. What do you recommend for companies that maybe are coming out with a connected product or perhaps have an existing product that they're looking to add connectivity to? Two primary recommendations. Number one, look at all those phases of the device lifecycle. Think about the inception and design phase, the manufacturing the rollout, the integration with supply chain at the time, the deployment and operationalization of the device itself, and all that will be done with that device or could be done with that device, both from a technology security response perspective, as well as a business perspective and transferring ownership. You could have mergers and you could have acquisitions of a company and, and suddenly you no longer own your devices. So M&A activity as well will impact ownership of a device. And very often it's different folks in different roles and different departments even that have ownership or that care mm-hmm. about those areas. Bring them all to the table. Don't just think about device identity as to what do I need right now? What's on my whiteboard right now and how do I address it? Bring everybody to the table, the folks who will be responsible for the design, for the deployment, for supply chain and leveraging information and synchronization with that device to folks on the business side who will be in those M&A discussions and, and bringing on new operators and transferring ownership of devices and the like. Bring them on and make sure that every stakeholder understands the role and the implications of a secure and digital identity foundation. Very often we'll, we'll, we'll see folks take a look at how do I get code, how do I get digital identity into my code right now? Not necessarily thinking about what happens when that the next software update comes and has new functionality in it and how is the identity going to be leveraged by the new functionality or by new uh, piece of hardware that comes into play a year or two or five that has to speak to that device. So bring all stakeholders mm-hmm. to the table at the onset. Consider all the ramifications of digital identity throughout that device lifecycle. The other recommendation is ensure that you have a flexible plan in place, whether that be one solution, two solutions, Think through all of those elements and ensure that you're going to be able to do that with minimal impact on your plan, on your business, on your code, on your software, on your desired functionality, on your desired operations and support. We talked about certificate authorities earlier to just go purchase a certificate and put it on a device. If you take a sample 10 bullet points or 10 uh, tasks that need to be achieved, I may achieve three or four and I may put smiles on a few months or year or so. But did I take into consideration updating that certificate, getting a new certificate? I'm building new code now that needs to do particular encryption of data at rest, that needs to integrate with a new system and, and leverage the keys and certificates in some way that it didn't before. How is it that the solution I put in place, how is it that the methodology, that I, the plan that I have can be adapted to specific business needs? We all know that in the same way that IoT devices are all different from one another from a hardware perspective, from a workload perspective, they're also going to be very different from a requirements perspective. And being able to having adaptable and very flexible solution and plan in place is critical to ensuring that all those stakeholders from A to Z, from year one through year 20, are all going to be able to meet their objectives at the appropriate times. You're listening to a Spotlight episode of the Security Ledger podcast. The Spotlight podcast is sponsored this week by Certified Security Solutions. CSS is a leading provider of PKI software and services that securely connect people, applications, and devices to business ecosystems. Go online and check them out at css-security.com. 
You talk about the need during manufacturing to inject a unique identity on each manufactured device and how important that is. I, I think we, we actually kind of saw an example of that, I think, with the Mirai botnet, where while there was a, a firmware update available on the firmware supplier to address some of the security holes that Mirai exploited, there were many, many devices that were vulnerable that were running this firmware that, in essence, the manufacturer really couldn't account for. They just didn't really understand what they had deployed out there in the world and where, and therefore they weren't really able to get patches out to those devices. Absolutely. And that's very common that folks lose track of what they have out there, whether it be because there's not the proper integration into supply chain in order to track individual devices, or whether it be because there's no additional data other than a certificate. Uh, we strongly recommend leveraging metadata that's bound to the certificates that can be correlated to supply chain so that when devices are transferred within an organization from department to department, they're tracked. We know where a device is, what it's responsible for, what it should be doing at all times, what it should not be doing as well. We often see cases where in one's own organization, they've lost track of devices once they go from department to department. They're out there. If we scan the network, we'll find them. We just don't really know who's who and what's where, and, and it becomes anarchy. And again, that the during the inception, during the design, and during the manufacturing is one of the most critical times to sit back and understand how am I getting identity onto this unique device, unique identity, unique device, unique manufacturing process. How is it that I can ensure that the identity I'm injecting now can be tracked later, leveraged later by other systems, not just certificate authority, but by all my IoT security and my supply chain and my CRM? How is it that they all come together and, and by having that, that, that proper foundation of identity with the right hooks, uh, with an adaptable process during that manufacturing time to determine how do I get identity onto the device if it's, it's an uh, offshore manufacturing plant, if it's offline, if it's online, if I'm purchasing certain components that come with X on it and others with Y, being able to have a plan there requires that proper analysis of what are we doing, what is our end game, what are the requirements we have to take into account, mm -hmm. and how do we now ensure the digital identity is inserted and plays the strong foundational role throughout that process. So we'll spend much of our time with our customers speaking about that design and that manufacturing and that there are, there are more than one and two and three. There are many ways that folks manufacture, and there are also many ways to get identities onto devices, and there are many ways to customize that in order to adapt and integrate with supply chain with CRM, with other utilities and tools that are being done there. And I'll, I'll back to that same story. Doing that up front and having that plan and having that vision up front will ensure that one, two, ten years down the road, uh, security is still at its high assurance level as when it was still at the design table. It's interesting, and you talk in your presentation as well, about the challenges in deployment and, and post-deployment. I think there's a tendency to not actively manage some of these connected devices. You can talk about the, you know, the closed circuit cameras or the be the smart TV, you know, that, that's in the commissary. You point out that you can't get away with that really, that you really need to have active management of these devices throughout their life cycle. And obviously identity is, is a big part of that. Absolutely critical. Uh, identity is the linchpin of many of the subsequent security functions that will take place without being able to uniquely identify the device. Many of the subsequent security teams and tools that we will apply will not bear weight. They won't achieve what they need to achieve without being able to actually identify the device from a functionality perspective as well, from an operational perspective as well. 
if I want to support those devices, if I want to properly have a set of doctors, a medical center properly send instructions to a patient's device and have no risk of the wrong or the, the right instruction, the right prescription going to the wrong device, being able to uniquely identify the device is critical and being able to do so right at the onset is a requirement. So we view identity and, and trust as the absolute foundation for IoT security. Without it, you'll be facing compromise nonstop in terms of operating IoT devices. And the great part of that is, is that the technology is there, the methodology is there, the, the solutions are there in order to establish that digital identity foundation and being able to apply it uh, across the IoT devices phases and integration into the various workloads. It's there, it's ready, it's proven, it's, it's tested for decades in the IT world. We know how to do it, we know how it works, simply a matter of opening the door to include that. Make sure it's at the table, make sure it's on the whiteboard to consider the mm -hmm. ramifications of digital identity and security and within the operations of that device. You spoke at the Security of Things event in June. It was under the umbrella of PTC's LiveWorks event. It's an event that's really centered around the ThingWorks platform. Are Internet of Things platforms like ThingWorks of assistance? Can they help abstract some of the challenges of, you know, standing up one of these connected device ecosystems? And if so, is CSS thrown in with any particular platform, uh, for example, ThingWorks, or are you agnostic on that as well? Let me start by giving a quick plug. Uh, this was our first participation in the Security of Things forum. We've been to LiveWorks before. This is the first time we've joined the Security of Things forum, and uh, certainly for anybody listening and, and considering, uh, highly recommended, excellent content and excellent discussion amongst the folks. That was, that was a very well done forum and a very well worthwhile uh, in terms of attending. To the question of IoT platform, we are agnostic. We, we are agnostic in that in the same way we will work with workloads that run on any uh, web server uh, and, and any other application platform, the Azure IoT Hub, AWS, and, and the like. We do have plugins. We do have uh, extra modules that allow for ease of integration with those platforms, and that's one of the, one of the elements that we spoke about at the LiveWorks at the Security of Things Forum was the components that we have, the, the module for the ThingWorks IoT platform, whereby folks using that platform can easily leverage our platform and integrate with our platform to apply unique certificate-based identity to devices and then open up a whole set of granular access control capabilities once there. Now, if we look at the IoT platforms, not necessarily pointing out any specific one, their focus is not on the digital identity. Where they assist is in supporting public infrastructure and supporting certificates mm -hmm. and supporting keys. And they'll have the hooks in order to be able to use those methods rather than a username and password for authentication of a device, for encryption of data at rest or data in motion. But they won't walk you through the A to Z in terms of how do I get my hands on that certificate, on that keys? Do I just go buy them? Once I buy them, what do I do then? Their role is primarily focused on when you have them, here's how you use them. And we certainly integrate with those platforms in that sense and making it even easier to do so and, and the updates and the like, having them seamlessly integrated. But public key infrastructure, if we think back to the IT world, everyone knows it's more of a four-letter word than a three-letter word, if you will. It's not just a matter of getting a, a certificate authority up and grabbing a certificate of keys and great, put it in uh, cruise control after that. There's an art and a science and a little bit more 
involved in maintaining that infrastructure. That's where our focus is with all of those IoT platforms. Their focus is on ensuring that somebody with certificates can leverage those certificates. We'll often enhance that by providing additional layers of access control on top of what they can do. But our core focus is on the identity lifecycle management integration with the deployment and manufacturing processes in order to ensure that the device, before it even ever connects to that IoT platform, has the right identity baked in, has come online, has perhaps bootstrapped into a long-term permanent identity. All of those elements are not something that an IoT platform will typically focus on, and that's where putting together the pieces and bringing in that IoT foundation alongside whatever IoT platform it may be, such as a ThingWorks IoT platform, is critical. When you talk about having a root of trust within an organization, within your organization, what are some examples of that? I mean, that, that you see customers using, I think of something like a hardware security module or something like, is that really what we're talking about with root of trust or, or are there different options out there? Yes, there are two elements you touch on there and, and both are key elements of our tenants of IoT security. One of them is establishing a root of trust, knowing who can trust who, knowing who is supposed to communicate with who and ensuring that all elements in the ecosystem, be it the IoT device, be it the gateway, firewall, load balancer, IoT platform, big data system behind it, knowing that everybody has got the right certificate, the right keys, the right roots of trust installed so that that chain of trust can be implemented and only that chain of trust. Very critical that it's only that chain of trust. It's one thing to trust my devices and allow them to connect securely but if I'm not limiting it to just my devices and really anybody with a, an Android phone can somehow make a connection because my hardware, my software supports multiple routes of trust, I'm not going to achieve the security needs. So the establishment of that private mm-hmm. route of trust and having control over that private route of trust to be able to proactively add who is entitled. And if I transfer a device to another entity, not necessarily sharing my chain of trust and opening it up to them, but rather switching it over to their root of trust and their chain of trust for that device access. These are all critical elements to think about when establishing that root of trust. And the second element you spoke about is in terms of secure hardware, absolutely, wherever possible. And we we certainly recommend that private keys be stored in secure hardware. Uh, That goes without saying, uh, private keys are the jewels. And with them, we all know what can be done. Proper storage of those keys and secure hardware on the device, on the back end, at the public infrastructure at the CA level, all of those must be taken into consideration as well when establishing a route of trust and when, when issuing certificates and for keys from it. I think that all of these elements are just going to come to the, to the forefront more and more. What we're seeing, the interesting thing we're seeing is that many organizations and whether it be the FDA that we mentioned earlier, whether it be NIST, whether it be the, uh, the IIC Industrial Internet Consortium, if you look at their requirements, if you look at their recommendations, not necessarily requirements as much as recommendations in many cases, they're more and more going into that direction of those five tenets. So regardless of whether somebody wanted to follow the FDA's guidelines or NIST or the, the CA browser reform or the the IIC, we're all headed in that same direction in terms of understanding the requirements, many of them based on the learnings from years and decades in IT in terms of traditional devices. We we always have to think ahead. We always, so post-quantum system cryptography, you won't hear much about that today. CSS was involved in a a pilot recently, as I mentioned, with pushing out post-quantum resistant certificates and establishing a foundation whereby somebody rolls out uh, identity for devices today mm-hmm. has the ability of, of shifting gears 
next year or the year mm-hmm. after, whenever it becomes a reality. Thinking ahead, we're going to constantly be looking ahead, and that's one of the areas that CSS is, is leading is in terms of thinking forward, in terms of what, what will be a requirement, what will be a reality in one and two and five and ten years from now. Code signing is another element in our solution where building in that mechanism to easily handle mm-hmm. code signing. Again, as you mentioned, it's something that you're shocked that some folks don't think about, and we're equally shocked that they don't think about it and folks don't make it easy to do it. So these are elements that we are constantly yeah. thinking about uh, on behalf of our customers in terms of ensuring that the elements that we know to be required become easier and easier for them to to build into their design, to build into their operations. We'll continue to see that evolve. You got to make it seamless and you've got to make it easy for people, right? The more barriers you put up to doing the right thing, the fewer people are going to do it. We haven't even talked about scale. I mean, uh, the differences in scale between IoT and IT and 100,000 devices in an IT network, pretty considerable. And in an IoT network, nice pilot. So, so how, do yeah. you, how do systems, how do cloud, another great uh, example where how do we shift identity and identity management and this identity layer to the cloud. So again, CSS is the forefront there in terms of thinking and, and, and offering solutions for cloud-based identity foundations for, for IoT and, and for IT as well as folks start to look in that direction. And whereas five years ago, even two years ago, uh, if, you, if you walked in and asked, uh, where you, do you want to move your, your certificate authority, you want to move your, your identity management to the cloud, the folks would perhaps point to the door or look at you in, in complete uh, shock. Yeah, no way, right. Um, now, nowadays, uh, we don't even have to ask. If folks are asking us, and, and certainly that's it's ready when you're thinking ahead in terms of what, what needs to be delivered, though, those are elements to, to constantly be doing. Again, all stakeholders at the table, the number one recommendation, all stakeholders then from the design through the birth, through the deployment, through the sunsetting of that device, all stakeholders at the table thinking about the role of identity at their particular phase. What do they need? What will they need? What may they need? All of these elements together, if handled appropriately, will will lead a secure digital identity foundation. Shuda Aspler of CSS Certified Security Solutions, thanks so much for coming on and speaking to us on the Security Ledger podcast. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Judah Aspler is the Vice President of IoT Strategy at CSS Security.